0: My name is Stephanie. I'm one of the pastors here. It's awesome to see a few new faces. We're really glad that you're here. Um, It was my idea to ask everybody to share their love language with someone that they don't know. Um, So if someone said that theirs was touch or something and then you crossed some sort of boundary, you know, it's not my fault. I just thought it would be a good topic of conversation. So do people know what the five love languages are? They're like, they're what I wrote them down. Quality time, touch, gifts, acts of service, and words of affirmation, right? Okay, we're, let's just do a quick survey. Now, I, I want you to raise your hand because I know there's some spouses or roommates or friends who are like, I have no idea what my friend's is, but if I, if I ask them, it could be really awkward. So here's your chance. I'm going to have everybody raise their hand for which your top, top love language that you receive, okay? All right? So uh, if you are a quality time person, raise your hand. Look around in case you need to be offering some quality time to the person next to you, okay? If you are a touch person, raise your hand. I'm a touch person, I have been known to hug people who were not necessarily ready for that. All right, how about gifts? You love to receive thoughtful gift, okay, or just an expensive gift, no, all right. That wasn't necessarily two categories, but it could be. How about uh, acts of service? Oh, okay, just a few people, that's all right. And then words of affirmation. You guys are awesome, you see what I did there, see what I did there? I thought about that longer than I should have earlier. So, uh, okay. Well, wow. That was a lot of quality time, people. Cool. Well, we'll we'll just stay here as long as necessary. Then, if you guys are loving it, that's good. Um, no, I'm actually really excited about today. Uh, we're in a conversation called reconnect with God or connect with God. Maybe you aren't feeling that you need to reconnect. Um, but for me, as a pastor, this has just been um, a really important conversation in my mind. Our church, our community. If you're new at Mill City. Something you should know about us is that we are a very active church. We're people who talk a lot about putting our faith into practice, joining what God's doing in the world, living like Jesus, being people who uh, join God's mission, which is awesome. That is our DNA. And I love that about us. I love us. And, um, but the, the two guiding questions of all of that is what is God doing and how are we going to respond to what God's doing in the world? Or what is God saying to me and what am I going to do about it? And these questions are so crucial, and they're at the core of what we do, because otherwise we could just be doing a bunch of stuff, and it has nothing to do with God. And so our relationship with God and the connection that we have with God, though most of us would say throughout our life, it's strained at times, uh, there's not always a deep connection, it has valleys and mountains, right? But it is crucial no matter where we're at. And so we've spent these last four weeks talking about how important this is in our lives. And I just... um, I just so deeply care about you guys, and I want us to be people who pursue this relationship with God. But I want you to know I know it's difficult. I know that it's hard sometimes. I know that the circumstances that we face and the experiences we have in this world make this really difficult. So we don't want it to feel like we're minimizing that. As much as we're saying, keep at it. Don't give up. Step into what it means for you right now in this current season of your life to connect with God in a deeper way, even if it's a little bit. Okay, So we talked a little bit about uh, when there's interference between us and God and we couldn't connect. We then talked pretty specifically about uh, uncertainty and questions and doubt and how that is actually something that can draw us into a deeper relationship with God if we press into the questions and not run from them. And then last week, Michael was talking about love languages. Uh, The love languages, not the five that I just talked about, but the ways that we express and receive love from God. And so there was these nine love languages or pathways, and they're actually based off of this book right here, Sacred Pathways by Gary Thomas. Maybe some of you have seen it. I have this copy if you want to check it out and just look at it later. Um, Really helpful, and it talks about these nine love languages or nine pathways in which we connect with God. And it turns out we're all really different. God created every one of us so uniquely. And um, I don't know, I feel like I was told that when I was a little kid. God made you special and you're unique and it's not, you're not like everybody else. But then I grow up to think, well, then why, why is this and this and this seeming to work for those people and it doesn't work for me? We get into a mentality, don't we, that it's like we know we were unique, but then all of a sudden we're kind of supposed to be like everybody else or what works for this person is supposed to work for me. Of course not. And so this is an important conversation about how different each of us are and the ways that we connect with God. And also the ways as we grow and change in our life, sometimes this shifts in our life. And there's a new season and there's new ways we connect with God. And so you got this little handout. Do you you have this? Uh, If somebody next to you has it, pull it out. Just look at it. Um, This talks about the different pathways and gives you kind of an idea of a little survey of which one you are. For some of you, when you hear a description, you kind of know. Some of you, there's maybe one or two that are very strong for you. For others, maybe you feel like you can connect to God with four or five of them. But everybody in this room has a different kind of makeup of what this looks like for them and what this looks like in this current season of life. So what we decided to do today was to have a panel of people uh, who represent these different pathways, okay, these different love languages, these natural ways that they connect with God. And so these six people each have their top two, and we're going to have them come up not quite yet, but in a minute, and they're going to share a little bit about what this has looked like for them. And the goal is that each of you can have your kind of spiritual imagination woken up around what it could look like for you to take some next steps in whatever pathway makes sense to you. Or maybe this is brand new to you and you're thinking, I don't even know where I would start if I'm a sensate. I'm not even totally sure what that word means. So I have no idea where I would even start. Well, hopefully hearing from these folks who are a part of our community will help us do that. So before we have them come up, I just want to read a, a psalm. Every part of this conversation, we have we have read a psalm every Sunday morning. And this is the, this is the final part of this conversation because next week's Advent. Yay! So um, I want us to read this psalm, one of my favorite psalms. And the reason I think the psalms have been meaningful as we've talked about reconnecting with God is because we have like this snapshot or these, these words, these songs that are just from the past where somebody else was trying to communicate their relationship with God just dropped right into our life, into our hearts. And so it's an opportunity for us to see how people for thousands of years have been trying to figure out how to connect with God and uh, figure out what it looks like to be in relationship with God. And so I want to read Psalm 139 if you have a Bible. Just the first half of it. This is one of my favorite psalms. It might be one some of you have heard before. Um, but what I just want you to do is just listen to it. We'll have the people come up afterwards. But um, just listen and see if there's anything God might want to say to you. And I think it's, what's so beautiful about this psalm is it talks about how uh, intimately God knows us. And how different each one of us are. And how God intentionally created us to be different because it's beautiful and we can then create, then we are people who bear God's image when we're together because we're all uniquely made by him. So let's just read Psalm 139. I'll read it to you. Just listen. You can close your eyes if you want to or you can follow on the screen or in your text. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down you are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before. You lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up into the heavens, you are there. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you so intimately know us. God, we thank you that you are a God who has searched us and you know us. That we are not alone. Even when you feel far away, God, you promise over and over that you are with us wherever we go. God, I pray that we could trust that this morning, wherever we're at, as we come to this time this morning. God, you know, you know where we're at. You meet us where we're at. And I pray that as these folks come up and share from their heart, that you would open up our minds and our hearts to be people who not only want to learn about how to connect with you, but desire to connect with you and want to pursue you, not to earn anything from you, not to get your approval, but because you've already given us the approval and the love because of what you've done for us, Jesus. So God, I pray that you would open up our minds and hearts so we could hear from you this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, I'll have the panel come up, wherever you people are. You're all spread out around here. Um, And so let's put the the slide up that has the pathways. Could you put that up for me, Roland? Just as a quick reminder, if you don't have a handout, I'll tell you what they are. And then uh, these folks will be elaborating on that. So the first one is naturalists, people who love God outdoors or in nature. Sensates, loving God with your five senses. Traditionalists, people who love God through ritual and symbol. Oftentimes, traditionalists have been a part of uh, faith communities that have a lot of ritual and symbol. Aesthetics, so these are people who appreciate solitude, appreciate simplicity, perhaps have different opportunities to fast or do things like that. Activists, these are people who love God through confrontation, who see uh, pursuing justice in the world as a way in which they engage with who God is in their life. Caregivers, I remember last week we had a lot of caregivers, people who love God by loving and caring for others in their life. Enthusiasts, people who love God with mystery and celebration. These are often the people, they could be shyer, but if you get them talking about their relationship with God, there's a lot of excitement there. Contemplatives, these are people who love God through adoration or a sense of meditating on who God is, uh, contemplating on who God is. And then intellectuals, this idea of. When I engage my mind with who God is, I really feel close and connected to God, okay? So uh, we're going to take that list off because I'm going to have a a list of who these people are and what their top two pathways are, and then we're going to go from there. So can you just welcome these folks up here on the stage? It's hard to do this. You guys look good. Don't they look good? They look good. Well, okay, so what I'm going to have them do is introduce themselves, And I'm actually going to ask you to also share what your vocation is. So here at Mill City, we talk a lot about our vocation and how some of us get paid to do various vocations, but we all have the things that we spend most of our time doing. So I want each of them, when they say their name, I want them to share what they spend most of their time doing, because it may or may not be kind of interesting as they talk about what their different pathways are. And then you'll see up here their top two pathways. So they'll say what their top two pathways are, and then we'll have them go back and share a little bit about what that looks like in their life, okay? Sound good? So we'll start with Katie down there. All right.
1: Can you? Okay, great. Um, So I'm Katie Delgado. I'm a resident director at Bethel University, which means I primarily spend my time with college students, Um, and my top two pathways are enthusiast and contemplative.
2: I'm uh, John Dunn and I'm a professor at Bethel Seminary. I teach New Testament and my top two would be intellectual and then the second one is kind of a blur of sensate and traditional. So I hope it's okay if I transcend boundaries a little bit.
3: Wow, I'm Krista Addison. I, um, my vocation is artist and that has looked like many things, but uh, probably the most life-giving field has been, I was a muralist for many years in like hospitals and libraries and school libraries and things like that. Um, But I would define myself first as daughter, mother, grandmother, homemaker, wife, friend, neighbor.
4: Just a it. Uh, my name is Ramon Pastrano, and uh, I am with an organization called Impact Lives, where we function as a social innovation laboratory. So we're always doing and engaging the communities in multiple things. My two pathways are uh, contemplative and the activist.
5: All right, well, my name is Brad Rogers. Um, by day, I'm a nurse, I'm a registered nurse. Um,
0: what, be more specific about your nursing job, just for fun.
5: <laughs> well, how about I say this? Um, so right now, I'm uh, I, I'm the manager of the burn center at Regent's Hospital. Burn,
0: the burn center.
5: But before that, <laughs> I, was, I kind of identified myself as a critical care nurse. I worked over 12 years in, in trauma and cr- burn cr- critical care, so whatever. But, yeah, so I'm a nurse, um, but I'm... I'm the same. I would I would identify my vocation as a husband and a father, friend. Those those things are things that I I feel. Are, those are who I am and what my vocation is. Um, but I would say my so my my two pathways, as you can see up there, are caretaker and intellectual.
6: Um, my name is Kriti Kana, or now topic, Um and. During the day, I am a performance analyst at an investment management firm, which is not how I would describe my vocation. <laughs> um, so I would say my vocation's probably around the same as you know. I feel like I'm more of like a daughter, a friend, a wife. Um, a new a new wife. A, a new Newish wife. wife. I'm working on it. <laughs> um, but yeah, and my two pathways are caregiver and naturalist. Great.
0: Okay, we'll, we'll start again this way and, and go back. So you just finished, sorry, but now. <laughs> could you just describe a little bit about what this looks like in your life? So when I said, hey, could you tell me what your top two are, what things in your life did you think about that you know ha- have connected? What, how, how does this describe who you are in your own faith, not just maybe what the book or the pamphlet said, but what does it look like for you to have these top two in your yeah. life? Yeah, um, I think for me,
6: it was more or less like, where did I see myself spending the time to do these things? And so... Um, just kind of summed up my time and I thought, okay, I spend a lot of time like going for walks and being outdoors and I like reading my Bible outside. So that's where I found the naturalist piece of this. And then um, the caregiver, just cause I like to volunteer. So I, I, that's kind of where I saw a lot of my time going. So yeah, great.
5: Well, for me, I think um, how I connect with God as a caretaker, I, um. Yeah, I've always joked about this with uh, with Mike and other people here at this church. That I don't sing, and I'm maybe, maybe not the most dynamic speaker. Um, things that uh, I've always thought of ways that I was able to contribute as a member of a church. But I was always able to do things. And, um, you know, I, I love to swing a hammer and wear bags and be able to help in a way with my hands. And there's always needs in that capacity. And so for me as a caretaker in that regard, it was doing missions. And I think in those experiences of being able to help uh, people in their need, it was, it it may not be the the actual job itself or the actual act itself uh, of where I feel like I've connected with God, but it's it's the after. It's looking that person in the eye and seeing that I was able to meet them in their time of need. And I don't know how to explain it, but, you know, when you look into somebody or look and talk to somebody in, in relationship after having that ability and that privilege of being a part of their life, um, God speaks to me as spoke to me in in amazing ways and in the deepest ways of learning who Christ is. And that's, I think why the caretaker role is a way that I've been able to um, connect with God. The intellectual intellectual part, um, <laughs> I was kind of joking with my wife last night that if you think Brad is an intellectual, people kind of laugh. <laughs> but no, for real, I think that um, I'm not John and I don't study New Testament, but I um I think there's a part of me that uh, I connect with God when I know who God is, and um, you know, when I went to college, I remember having conversations with friends and um, people that uh, professors as well about deep subjects, things that I didn't know much about. Things, you know, I remember in college at Bethel, we talked about you know the topics of predestination and open theism or whatever but it was all about me knowing who God is. And I think that is something that engages me to know who God is more.
4: For me, there's a lot of uh, congruency in which uh, these two pathways uh, describe me, uh, who I am. First one, the contemplative. Uh, for the last 20 years, I have been attending a silent retreat, uh, um, usually uh, conducted by the Jesuits, and which is, you know, pretty much their primary way of, uh, you know, praying, which is contemplation. And um, it's a little bit different than what is written in in the description here. I do like long walk, and I do like long walks alone. Uh, yesterday, I think it was Friday, I told my wife that I was going to go for a walk, and uh, two hours later, nine miles, nine miles later, uh, I show up back home. But it was the best thing. It was, uh, I felt alone in in the park, and I, first, I felt, you know, uh, walking in the presence of God. Um, the other thing is, I can be anywhere. I can be you know, uh, at a service and I can find and create that time for me and, uh, you know, for God. I I need to feel emotionally connected to God and I need to feel that God is guiding my steps before I can move into anything else. The other one, which is uh, the activist, I kind of laugh when (laughs) Stephanie gave the description of being confrontational, and I know there's a few eyes here that are watching me that knows me as being confrontational. Um, Yes, that described me to a T. I love justice, and uh, I love justice, and sometimes I try to take justice in my own hands, which is not good. So um, I love justice. I love uh, helping other people, but not again. I'm a little bit sometimes critical to the way the church does justice today. So I have to challenge the church in many ways on how uh, justice look like in the way that they are applying it out there. I also. Um, with regard to, I'm not a humanist. I'm not a, an activist per se, but I love to to translate what is Jesus doing with regard to justice. You know, as I see Jesus play out in the four gospel. In fact, uh, the last three years, I think I spent it just reading the four gospel over and over and over, and listening to the gospel over and over and over, just to try to figure out how is it that Jesus is. Um, uh, how does justice plays out in Jesus' life and Jesus' uh, connections.
0: Great. All right, Krista. The question is, the question is how do you see these, these two in your life? Um,
3: I can think back to being a really little girl, and my <clears throat> grandmother would put my sister and I to sleep, and she her plan was she would put a chair between us and pray. And we would fall asleep because she was actually talking to God. And she had a lot to say, and she would be quiet and listen, and it would go on for hours. And I, as a little, little child, thought, I'm going to know God like that someday. I didn't know it takes this whole life of many, many experiences and finding how to be quiet And um, so, when I did this survey, I think that this time of my life, this is the strongest area for me. When I was a young mom, I remember going to a counselor saying, I am burned out. I I can't do it. Kind of like that Frodo. (laughs) And uh, he said to me, it sounds like, you think you're supposed to be God. And I was mortified. I was trying to serve God instead of letting God serve me and draw me into what his plan was. So that has been a really interesting journey of, I remember at the time saying, I need like a month off and the counselor laughed and goes, well, maybe a week. But I now know that God puts those things in your heart. And years later, I have this uncle that invites me to Argentina every year for a month, sometimes two months. And I go, well, can I just go to the Keys? Do I have to go to another country? And what I've learned now years down the path, is God's giving me that month. Because what that man does, he's 80 years old, he spends from 8 in the morning till noon in prayer and meditation. And he invites me to it and we're up on the roof and we practice listening. And now years go by and we our time is spent talking about the profound things God did that, following, that year that we had so gone before God and prayed about. And I'm not doing anything. People always go, oh, are you going to a mission trip? And I go, yeah, I think for me. And uh, so I, I didn't necessarily start down this path thinking this way, but I see that God put these longings in my heart and that naturalist peace, I, I'm, as I pay attention to what I've always done, I always made my kids lay on blankets under the stars or under the clouds, and I've always stopped and said, how, how would you paint those clouds? How, how would you, what color is that? How would you, how would you create that? And um, I don't know, I just think those are, I, I'm drawn to light, I'm drawn, because I, I think it's the way God calls me to himself. I, I ran out of gas the other day in the prairie, cold, stuck, and I could see the stars, and I was reminded that God brought Abraham under the stars, and I was like, you keep your promises. You've got us. I'm still afraid, but I do believe that. So it's sort of an interactive experience, I guess, of God.
2: Yeah, as a um, as an academic, it's really easy for me to think about how the intellectual one uh, plays in. Um, you know, if you're familiar with Strengths Finder, um, three of my strengths are input, learner, and intellect.ion So it's just you know how I'm wired. You know, my Hogwarts house is Ravenclaw, for example, and so.
0: I was gonna like bet how long before you brought up <laughs> Harry Potter, but. That was not that
2: long. <laughs> uh, so it, it's it's really it's really uh, straightforward for me to think about how loving God with my mind has been something that's always compelled me. Um, it's it's why I do what I do. Um, in terms of the sensei in traditional, when I think about the, the heightened spiritual experiences that I've had where I've most felt God's love and, and felt connected to him, the thin spaces that, that I've heard referenced, um, I, I think about experiences around ritual and symbol and, and reflecting on that and particularly the embodied nature of those symbols. So I think about weddings, I think about baptism, I think about communion, and um, just one experience that really uh, st- stood out to me uh, it was when I was studying French one summer, and I, I was at a, 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 a church, and you know the, the cup was being passed around um, with the little, with the little uh, you know things of juice, and I and I grabbed I, I grabbed it, and I didn't even think about it, and I, I and I and I drank it, and it was wine, and it was the first time I'd ever had wine in communion, and it really stood out to me. I, I was not expecting it at all, and it just burned, and um, I I sat there, and I, and I was thinking. Uh, about that experience and immediately my mind went to, oh death, where is your sting? And just thinking about you know the death of Christ and and, and ultimately what the resurrection uh, means in terms of death, I just I just was overwhelmed in that moment, and and it was because of you know drinking wine when I wasn't expected, uh, to, you know wasn't expecting to do that. It really just uh, took me by by surprise. And um, moments like that, I, I could share others, but moments like that just really I think point to that. Th- that's why it's sensate traditional for me it's this kind of blending of ritual and symbol, but really that embodied aspect that really stands out and why I particularly uh, was was struck by it
1: yeah, so I resonated with a lot of what Ramon said about contemplative um, I look for times to have extended Time with God. Um, And if I haven't had extended time, um, and I can't do that every day, but I find myself longing for that and looking to carve out space for that extended time because I just want to sit and listen um, and be reminded of who God is and who I am and of truth um, outside of my circumstance. And um, as an extrovert, um, I find um, that, yes, I enjoy being by myself to listen to the Lord, but I actually um, enjoy being around people as well. So that can look like going to a coffee shop and sitting down and just being in the presence of other people around me and, and praying for that space and then trying to really listen to what God is doing in my life and in that space Um confession. Um, sometimes I sit in church and something comes up that is said that sparks something for me or something comes to mind. It feels like God's prompting something. And I just tune out the rest of the sermon because I focus on She's that thing. At me like, I know, okay, I'm sorry. Um, but I, I have to focus on that thing um, and really ask the Lord, um, okay, God, what, what are you prompting for me in this moment? Um, and so sometimes I don't remember the rest of what's happened because God gave me what I think he wanted to bring to me just in that, that moment. Um, so yeah, I, I connect a lot with that kind of extended time of listening. Um, but also I find myself doing that in my car. I find myself doing that on my walk from my apartment to my office, um, trying to just be constantly conscious of listening, um, and believing that the Lord is speaking and moving, um, and can, can remind me of truth, um, and even those small moments. Um, and then enthusiast, um, Yeah, it just makes so much sense for me. Um, I find myself really bummed when I'm late to church and miss the first couple worship songs um, because I really need that space to feel centered um, and feel connected with the Lord. Um, as well as I looked back on kind of my my life in Christine's class actually um, at 9am and was realizing how many pivotal moments in my life um, have started with a song or where I've turned back to music as a way of praying and a way of connecting with God when scripture didn't feel like I could connect or um, when I was really struggling to um, the music that I was listening to became my prayers. And so even playing things on repeat over and over again to be like soaking in a worshipful atmosphere um, to be reminded of what was true about God outside
0: of my circumstances. Great. Thank you for all of you for sharing. Is it is it kind of giving you guys some ideas or thoughts and opening up your thoughts about what that could look like for you? I hope so. I know for me, I didn't learn about... Um, the breadth of what spiritual disciplines were until I was an adult, I think. And I remember reading spiritual disciplines book by Richard Foster, which many people have read, and uh, the celebration of discipline. And when Katie was talking, it just reminded me how there's these inward and outward disciplines. And if you were to look through the list that Richard Foster makes, and there's more disciplines than he describes, you see these spiritual disciplines in all of these different pathways. So sometimes we hear that and we think, oh, contemplative. But there's actually so many other spaces in which this, these spiritual disciplines. So, for instance, Richard Foster spends a whole chapter talking about the discipline of celebration. And um, some of you might think, like, it would be a discipline for me to celebrate. <laughs> and that's okay. But for Katie, that's normal, right? That's a natural thing. So a discipline is something we sometimes choose to do because it's difficult and we have to focus and it stretches and grows us. But here we're talking about, well, what are the first things we go to, though? In addition to maybe, for me, I'm, I'm really somebody who is a, more of an activist, and I really like to, to connect intellectually, but it is so good for me to follow kind of this aesthetic time and just get some time away. Is it really hard for me? Oh, yeah. Next week, I'm going for three days, you guys. Part of that, in the middle of that, I might actually lose my mind and fall asleep because I'm so extroverted. But <laughs> is it really good for me to push myself? Yeah, but sometimes we get in our head that the pushing ourselves and doing the uncomfortable thing is what it really means to love God. When you hear, do you hear the freedom in their hearts? Oh, I just love getting outdoors or I just really appreciate thinking about this. I want to encourage us to step towards those things too, the things that really give us life. And it's from there that we can step into the things that maybe feel a little less natural for us. And then sometimes when we try things out, we find out, oh, I actually like this more than I thought that I would. So one question just, and anybody can answer, what, is, what are some practices, you, you all mentioned some, but maybe you could describe one more practice that you have in your life around one of these uh, different, different pathways that has really helped you feel connected to God. Some of you mentioned some, but is there any others that you'd mention? Give, it, give, him the, give that man the microphone. <laughs> um,
4: my activism, you know, sometimes, you know, it feels like uh, you're doing it somewhat else. But actually, my teaching. I teach a global contextual, you know, ministry class at Bethel. And one of the things that I do is I try to bring the students as close as I can to real experiences of what's going on in the world. So for this particular class, I have to uh, redesign the course uh, just to make it a little bit more relevant to issues that are going in today. And of course, without, you know, straying uh, away from, you know, the true nature of what is it that God is calling us to do in uh, this particular, you know, this particular field. But um, the whole idea that um, I'm challenging, you know, the church by challenging, you know, those students, you know, uh, in their intercultural competency and really understanding how to approach issue from a multicultural mindset is a way for me to, you know, uh, live out this activism.
0: And the people who are in your 9 a.m. class right now might say, yep, I see what he's talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely.
1: Go ahead, Kitty. I think um, just being sure to write down the things that um, God seems to be showing me or um, the things that are standing out to me that keep coming up over and over again. And then being sure that I go back to community and to friends and to trusted people in my life and saying, hey, this is coming up. Um, Because I think in the contemplative stream, it becomes really easy for me to be like, yep, That's what I'm supposed to do on that insight, rather than going back to community and um, really making that an opportunity of discernment together um, to really unearth what is God really up to and not just what I immediately assume that to be.
0: Good. Um, John, can I ask you to share a little bit more about uh, communion? So John's new to Minnesota. He's from Las Vegas. First winter here.
2: Yep. Yay! I'm very scared.
0: So if anyone has any layer advice or something for him later. Um, but when we were speaking a few months ago and I said, oh, it, you know, this is what our church is like, and I told you, and one of the things I mentioned is just recently, if you've been around Mill City for a while, just recently we decided to take the turn towards having, celebrating communion or the Eucharist every single week. And we had some reasons behind that, and some of it has to do with the fact that many people connect in this way with a ritual like this. And so for some of you, you think, yeah, this is a part of my upbringing, it's important. But maybe for some who think, "Yeah, I'm not totally sure why this is supposed to be meaningful every single time," maybe your story could share just a little bit why that, how that connects for you.
2: Yeah. So. Um when I was looking for a good church to, to come to, and I, I was um, attracted to Mill City for, for a number of reasons, but one of the things that, that stood out was the, the weekly practice of, of, of communion. And, you know, I love that we, we get into these lines and we come down to the front. Again, the embodied aspect of the ritual for me. I love that we come down to the front, and I love that you have these people hand, handing the elements, uh, you know, saying, you know, this is Christ's body broken for you. This is Christ's blood shed for you. I I just love that. Every time that happens, I'm, I, I just absolutely love it. Um, so that's it's really important for me. You know, I think you know my family. There are a lot of nominal Catholics, and so um, you know, I, I had similar you know maybe um, hesitancies as some uh, to say that you know if we do this too much, we may end up you know. Um, Turning it into a dead practice that has no meaning, and I don't know—that's just not my experience. When every time I come down, it is not a dead meaning, you know, dead symbol. You know, I think this is life-giving and, um, you know, beautiful. Um, and I think, you know, it is—it is, it is a, a, a Christian practice that goes back to the very beginning, right? You know, it's not—it's not some dead ritual. We may, we may, you know, um, impart some, you know. Some, some meaning into it and we may associate it with things that uh, just aren't there. But I think we can reclaim the ritual and we can reclaim it uh, and, and really get back to what it's all about.
0: Great, great example. Okay, final question, um, and, and there, we could go on and on about practices, but I'd love for a few of you just to share, if people are listening and they're thinking, man, this feels really new to me or maybe I've been disconnected from God for a while and I'm trying to step back into it, maybe what encouragement or ideas would you have for them? I'd love to hear Kritty share. So think about it for a second. So yeah, what encouragement would you give people if that's where they're at right now? I think for me, I would probably go to someone I trust
6: a lot, and maybe my husband, and just ask. You know, you know my strengths and weaknesses. Maybe sometimes better than I do. So what do you think might be a good way for me to explore ways or figure out what my pathways are? Um, yeah, that's but great. I think that's probably what I would do,
0: but sometimes people can reflect back to you, man, don't you remember you got so excited when we came back <laughs> from that? And you're like, oh yeah, that's right. I did really <laughs> connect. And it brings up a good point too, of sharing those things with the people that are in your life. Cause sometimes we assume that the way that we connect is the way our roommates or our friends or our, our siblings or our spouse connects. And that can really throw a wedge in the relationship and talking about faith. If you realize, wow, we really experience God differently. If you know it's different, it can actually open up a really cool opportunity. So good. Other advice for people? Krista, you got the microphone. What would you tell these lovely people?
3: Well, I just remember when I was a young mom, um, I was expressing this to an older. I love everybody who's a little further on the journey. And she said to me, oh, if you're really serious about this, you just ask God, and he'll wake you up in the middle of the night. (laughs) And he does. And it's been years. And... And given me, like I was sitting in the back seat for three hours in, on the way to Thanksgiving. I was in a quiet space. And I just know how God gives you these things that you long for. Um, what other, I journal. I don't journal religiously, and I don't journal necessarily honestly. My friend, Alicia, who's an activist, says, burn my journals if anything happens to me because I'm really mad at my husband or God. (laughs) And I go, oh, I like what I use journaling for is so I can savor what just took place or how God met me or, I don't know, there's so much stuff coming at us so fast. The other piece of advice I would give anybody if you dare to do it, is I didn't have a cell phone for 10 years. Just soak that up, people. <laughs> if you want peace, leave your phone at home. My, my dad's 86, and he comes over every day, and he finally said, I need to get a hold of you. So, I, But I will march down roads going, there was no electricity 100 years ago. Why do we need phones? So anyway, I'm just for, if you're like me, and you want to really be present, and really want to hear God's voice, you have to shut it all off. Practice finding spaces to be quiet.
0: So. That's good. Um, would anybody be willing to share a time where they felt a lot of that kind of a few weeks ago we were talking about doubt and the dark end of the soul and what you would say to folks who maybe are in that time right now where this just feels really far away? I know sometimes we don't address that here, but I just want I want us to continue to be a space where questions are welcome and where people who are sitting here going, I'm just not sure about any of this, can stay here and be here with us because we want you here with us. So maybe just speaking to that experience really briefly would be encouraging to somebody. I know all of you well enough to know there's been some dark nights in the soul. Brad's nodding, giving him the, the microphone.
5: I think the first thing is to give yourself grace in those times that you, if you're in there right now, if you are there, I've been there, uh, we've, I've, I've. I think for me, and this isn't to sound like I pull myself up by the bootstraps, because I don't believe that at all. Um, but I think in my life, when I am, because I kind of have this caretaker, I know that as a caretaker, if you want to call it that, uh, I have seen God work, and I've connected with God in these moments. I, for me, it's to do something and um, Mike kind of talked about this last week too that I think our pathways they change like it's not like um, Myers-Briggs or some of these other inventories that like this is who you are and how God has created you and this is how always you always will be um, I, I think at points in my life I can look back and say I was more con- contemplative than I am now um, and I used to see God more in nature than I do now and I think it's just giving yourself that grace and I think for me when I was growing up and I think about my spiritual journey uh, it was sort of ingrained in me that if I wasn't spending time every day a half hour or an hour whatever it might have been with my Bible open and I was journaling and doing all these things that I wasn't growing or I wasn't knowing who God was and I realized um, in my faith journey that I've learned who God is and I've come to know him more in the ways that I've just been able to experience people by helping them or being a caretaker in their life. And I just say, give yourself the grace of where you are in how that you are going to connect with God.
0: Great. That's a, that's a great place to end with that. Um, I just want to encourage you to just, uh, there's a lot of shame around this, you guys. I don't know where that came from. That's not from God. If you're feeling shame about these areas of your life, I can tell you one thing it's not from God. Um, God might convict us or encourage us or provoke us towards a relationship with Him because He loves us, but that shame that oh i'm sh- I should be doing this. I say sometimes we shouldn't shit should on ourselves or let other people shit on us. Um, don't do that to yourself. Uh, let's let this be a shame free space so we can. Uh, really authentically pursue who God is in our life and be honest when that's really hard and be honest when that's really great and celebrate with each other. So thank you so much. Can you guys thank the panel and as they step off? We'll have the worship team come on up. Uh, come on up, worship team. And we're going to, like John was saying, celebrate communion every single week like we've been doing. And um, it, this... This symbol, this ritual, it's, it's got the senses, it's got this moment of, of taking our space. It's, it's a way for us to connect on a number of these levels, not all of them. But this is Jesus' body broken for us and his blood shed for us to prove to us that Jesus wanted to open wide the pathways to connection with God. That path was not there if it wasn't for what Jesus did. And there's some maybe intellectual ramifications of that, but trust me, theologically speaking, realistically speaking, what Jesus did made it possible for us to connect with God in these ways now, which has a lot of interference, but someday when all that interference will be gone. And so we're going to have uh, people share, serving communion here and here. We'll have some people on the walls who would love to pray for you. Uh, maybe pray as you're thinking about these different pathways you want to step into. Let someone pray for you if you're willing. Um, and you just take the bread, dip it into the cup. As you go back, you can, you can uh, partake when you're ready. And uh, it's gluten-free, so everybody can participate. But what I do want you to pay attention to, if you're somebody who uh, the music is important to you, there's a chorus in the song that they're going to sing, and it talks about the wonder of God and the mystery of God. And I think if we put these questions and wonders and, and idea that God is so much bigger than we could possibly comprehend, because that's the kind of God we want to believe in, one that we can't totally nail down, right? Then we can really step into worship, to these practices, to nature, into these different pathways in a new way. So uh, why don't you stand with us as we go into this time of worship and communion.